Richards trying to scoot in there alone. It pinballs to the crease. Score! Now a special presentation for you. Oh my God! Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to the Pod Street Boys Podcast. With your hosts, Derek. How you gonna get it, brother? John. And producer Nat. Unnecessary, but totally necessary. What's not to love? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Pod Street Bullies. I am John, and I am here with my lovely, not so lovely co host, Derek Bob. Derek, how's it hanging, buddy? Speak for yourself, pal. I'm as lovely as they come, but it's hanging pretty well. My dad always used to say, a little to the left. Yeah, I didn't want to, you know, whatever. No. All right. <laughs> and believe it or not, everybody, we have somebody back on the show. And it's been so long, I actually had to ask him his name before the show started. But our producer... We should get a drum roll going. Nathaniel Marlowe is back in the building. Nat, how's it going, buddy? Oh, hey, howdy, hey, everybody. That's right. <laughs> producer Nat is back here to f your shit up. Now, uh, we were getting a little concerned, Nat, of where you were. Like, we were calling various shelters, different um, rehab centers. We were getting a little worried about you, buddy. See, I was being held against my will by, <laughs> by the Iranian government. So, you're going to have to talk to Saddam Hussein. That guy's dead, though, isn't he? Yeah, I, I think feel he's like dead. We're going to need a Ouija board. His son's taking over, so, yeah. And you do need a Ouija uh, board okay. in order to contact him. Oh, all right. Well, we'll anyway, right Jesus, before the before this gets outrageously <laughs> offensive, <laughs> let me oh, tell God. you about resurrecting the dead in another way. So my wife, I love her dearly, decided she wanted to do this juice cleanse. And I was like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll be a trooper. I'll do it with you. So yesterday we did this one day juicing cleanse and I had no idea like what to expect but there were just a mixture of vegetables and spices and whatever the heck like in these bottles i've never really liked beets like eating beets i had to drink two drinks that like the main flavor was beet and like when you think of vegetables if it's even a vegetable you no one ever rattles off the vegetable beet they're like lettuce, tomato, onion. Like you could even get to like rutabaga before you. I get love to that beat. you said that like in the order of how you would order like a sub: <laughs> lettuce, tomato, onion. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about as big as my vegetable palate goes. <laughs> so, first of all, the day itself sucked because you couldn't eat anything, right? But finally get through it all. And I'm like, today is going to be a great day. I'm going to be a lean, mean, fighting machine. No. (laughs) I woke up with a pounding headache. I had the chills. And then I started vomiting. I was vomiting up all the juice. Like, I mean, my kid Reagan, right? She sees me throwing up in the toilet. And she's like, Daddy, are you bleeding? I'm like, no, it's the... It was awful. So I had like I got double cleansed. I got a bang for my buck, baby. I got I did the juice cleanse and then I did the old fashioned <laughs> double cleansing. It was oh, a beautiful God. thing. Yeah, if you want the triple cleanse, you gotta give yourself some salmonella food poisoning. Then that'll really 
Honestly, that'll really man, clean you out. I'm never cleansing anything ever again. I'm just going to be the dirtiest mf'er on the planet because that was a nightmare that I refused to relive. Good man. Kind of like that game earlier this week against the Rangers. <laughs> ah, look at you segueing. <laughs> From my previous hosting experience, I've still got a little bit of it. The month of March <laughs> has been a cruel mistress to the Philadelphia Flyers, and it continued this week, right? They mm-hmm. lost in overtime to the Islanders on Monday. Lost to the Devils. What were they, down 4-1, 4-0, who cares? And then ended up losing 4-3 to the Devils. And then they get shellacked by the New York Rangers again. After the last time they played the Rangers, they lost 9-0. Derek, what? (laughs) Dude, (laughs) I just don't even know anymore. I really don't. I mean, you know. How do you even come out? I mean, how do you respond like that? Definitely not the way they did. I mean, you're playing a team that literally eight days prior to the 8-3 loss beat you 9-0. And right. literally, you, the Flyers made Mika Zibanejad look like the second coming of Wayne Gretzky. It was fantastically abysmal effort. Was like, it six points in each game or something stupid yeah, hat trick, like that? Hat tricks, but multiple hat tricks. I mean, and then, you know, you think that this team is going to build some momentum. They hand the Islanders their first loss in regulation at home on the season, and then they come out and lose 6-1. to one. And then you're like, okay, well, maybe we can turn this around. Nope, 2-1 overtime loss. Well, they got the loser point. Like, yeah, loser points are for losers, though. Anyways, then you go to Jersey. Okay, we should definitely beat the Devils. They're not good. Nope, they lose to the Devils. Not only did they lose, they were down 4-1, to one, and it took two goals in the last, like, four minutes of the game to make it look respectable. Then you get the Rangers, and they take you behind the woodshed and beat you 8-3. to three. I'm like, I'm speechless at that point. I just don't even know what this team is doing, how they can't answer the bell, how they can't just like losing nine nothing to anybody should be enough to get you up for that next game, and it didn't. They right. came out flat and looked piss poor. The best part about that game was Sam Morin punching Brendan Lemieux all the way to the LA Kings. Like that was fantastic, <laughs> and that'll be a topic of discussion later in the show. But then you come out and win two to one Saturday afternoon. Just keep talking, why don't you? Just keep taking what I'm going to, you know, feed you and all that stuff. I had more to talk about with the loss. Well, okay, let's talk about the loss then. I I don't want to get to the win yet then. Yeah, so we're going to flip it and reverse it a little bit. Let's do everything you want to (laughs) do. Good. That's how it's supposed to be. Damn it, that's why I took this spot. Name that movie. I'm not good at that game. Ace Venture, you've never watched Ace Venture? I don't like Jim Jim Curry. Jim Curry. What? Show's over. Violation. I don't like comedy that much, to be honest with you. I can tell because you've got a really shitty sense of humor. How do you, you of all people, not like comedies? Because, I don't know, I I think I make myself laugh more than anybody else, so I just set my bar really high. So, I don't know. So, it's like him, Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell. I just think that they're... There's, it's like a brand of comedy I don't find very funny. I just think it's like outlandish and ridiculous. Like I, I really like Robin Williams. I think Robin Williams was really funny. 
I just for some reason I'm not not about those guys. Okay. Robin Williams is just as outlandish. It's a different. No, it's it's a different kind of. He's definitely way different. Yeah, but you can't compare Adam Sandler and Robin Williams. No, you can't because Robin Williams is dead. There you go. Well, that wasn't nice. <laughs> You're right, but I state facts. All right. Well, fine. <laughs> anyway, going on to Sorry. the next thing I was going to really say. Really insensitive. Nathaniel. <laughs> yes. I know we've had we've had Saddam Hussein mentioned in this show. <laughs> now we're talking about Robin Williams dying. Nat, maybe you need to go away because the this show together. is going to get canceled. <laughs> anyway, what I'm trying to get to, and Nathaniel, this one is for you. And Derek, if you really feel like you need to add to it at the end, you can. But how do you, after losing 8-3 to the Rangers, if you're Chuck Fletcher, now I understand that you know there's difficulty here, but not make some sort of move, whether it be a firing or a mi- miniature trade or a wave or something. How do you not make some sort of move after a loss like that? Well, the thing, the thing I want to get across with, when it comes to this Flyers team, I mean, someone on the Devils radio broadcast apparently said that this Flyers team just has no identity. That could not be any more false. This Flyers team has an identity. It's just a really crappy identity because... <laughs> You may. Here's the thing with the Flyers. You don't necessarily know what you're going to get offensive-wise, but almost every single game, you're going to get egregious defense. And right. even in games where they play well defensively overall, there's usually just one egregious defensive play, such as in the uh, the 2-1 overtime loss to the New York Islanders where Anthony Bovillier scored that wraparound goal. Fairby shoots... Uh, Faraby saucers the puck over to Shane Gossibert, bounces off the stick over to Bavillier for him to wrap around that puck. So, even though overall they played well defensively, it was an egregious turnover that led to that game-winning goal for the Islanders. So, I think if you're Chuck Fletcher, you have to be some sort of buyer at the deadline for a defenseman or even a couple of defensemen because this isn't even about making the playoffs anymore forget forget about that because there's really no point in making the playoffs when they had to work two to three times as hard as they normally would just just to get in there and they're going to be gassed once they get to the first round i don't see them making a deep playoff run even if they somehow squeak in because of that but you have to think long term here and i think because the defense is just so abysmal right now you have to bolster that and I don't think they should be sellers I think they should be buyers I don't think it's too realistic for them to acquire Matias Ekholm because I think the value of certain guys on this team has just plummeted over the past couple of weeks I don't know if Nashville would want any of that so maybe Ekholm and Arvidsson are out right now but you have to bolster it you have to do it long term and not just get a rental. A rental's not worth it. Get a guy over here who you can, and if you don't have a guy who has term, get someone who you can get to sign a long-term deal with because you have to bolster this team somehow because Ivan Provorov, I love Ivan Provorov, but as you guys mentioned in one of the last episodes, is he a top-pair defenseman? Probably not. Do we overvalue him? Probably, yeah. We right. they got to do something to fix that blue line. It's just too, too horrendous. Right, to leave I, that is no matter what. 
I mean, I totally agree with you, you know, that th- that they need to do something. But, Derek, I'm curious what you think. Do you feel like that 8-3 loss, though, after that game was the time that Chuck had to do something? Yeah. Like, just to show that it's like, okay, I'm no longer happy with this? Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, when you see it, you know, that loss, he probably thought, well, you know, the press conference I'm going to give here in the next day or so is going to be enough and it will suffice. Like, no. Because the press conference is something all on its own. Like, that that right. was lip service. It was all lip right. service. And I didn't, you know, I, I, I sifted through some of the sound clips. I looked at articles that were detailing the press conference itself. I'm not going to sit here and call Chuck Fletcher a liar and say that the things that he said he didn't do. But it sure as hell wasn't convincing enough. Like, I'm not convinced that this guy is in on this team right now. Oh, we're right. not going to be sellers. Like that's fine. Like you don't you don't have to be a buyer or a seller. Like you can make moves. And in my opinion, I think you know a lot of people have stated this opinion before. But like make moves for the future. Bring in guys right. that are going to be here. Like Nat was saying with term. If they're not going to come over with term, give them term when they get here. If that's what you want to do. Like Arvidsson, you know, right. <clears throat> or if there's any type of rental out there that would sign a term deal, you know, I just it's. Uh, that 8-3 game, man, just left such a bitter taste in my mouth. But then well, again, what game hasn't left a bitter taste in our mouth? Right. Like, even games right. they win. It was like, because we were complaining about the beginning of the season, how they weren't playing great hockey, but they were still winning. And now it's like, oh, they're playing not-so-great hockey, and now they're losing. The 2-1 win against the Rangers didn't leave a bitter taste in my mouth. That left a sweet taste in my mouth. Really? Yeah. It did. I mean, I'm not saying, like, this is the the beginning of some hope here, but, like, I felt good about that. And, like, it's more so just because of the circumstances surrounding who scored the goal, you know. But, like, that gave you that feel-good moment, and that, I think, is something for another discussion as well. But that's something you build on. That's something that really should get the wheels turning here. Well, I eventually want to go back to uh, Fletcher's press conference, but let's talk about the Rangers' win. Because when I watched the game, right, obviously you saw some improvements because they didn't get beat 8-3 or 9-0, right? But I also saw a team that really just seemed incredibly desperate that they were just going to throw pucks at the net and pray for something to happen. You know, a lot of the top players still look sloppy as hell i don't know what's going on with kevin hayes man but that mm. guy i don't know if he got clocked in the head and just lost forgot how to play hockey but now i watch him play and i'm like who is this guy this is not the same player that we saw last year um but you're right though derek i mean they did win samaran has become kind of the feel-good story i mean it's been two games but he's kind of yeah. become the feel-good story for this team and like you had said, and I want you to kind of elaborate a little bit more on this, he could possibly be what sparks this team. Absolutely he could. I think and it, it'll be one of the catalysts that can spark this team because there are other stories going on within this club. Nolan Patrick, Oscar Lindblom. You know, Lindblom's been playing well as of late. Patrick had his goal, the deflection. Dude, you Nolan know. Patrick sucks. Listen, I, that's a story for another time. I'm not going to disagree with you here, but it's encouraging to see him getting a goal, whether it was deflected off his stick or not. But seeing Raffle jump from out of the crease and just it's full speed skate towards Morin after he scored that goal, 
That is the type of emotion and that is the type of reaction that shows you that this team does care. And you need to bottle that. That's that's lightning in a bottle right there. You need to bottle that and you need to be able to ride that wave because that's a – I mean – you know that's like if Nolan Patrick in his first game were to come back and put up a hat trick, like we saw it right. with Bobby Ryan what last year, his first game back right. from battling alcoholism, comes back with a hat trick. Incredible story. Like right. Morin has been just plagued by injury after injury, setback after setback, and this guy finally gets a, a, a decent crack. Like he's had cracks before at the lineup and being in the roster, and you know I'm not going to put a ton of stock into that. But now he's got a legitimate chance because the blue line's just absolute poop. Right. And he's making the best of it. And I, it's just, it's, it feels so good to see. It's vindication, basically. And this was a guy who the team was going to put at left wing because they didn't want him on defense For anymore. For Christ's sake. I'm glad that experiment's <laughs> over. That was stupid. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that Sam Moran got his first goal. I also know the injury history with this guy, and I'm just waiting for something else to happen. I, that's the pessimist in me. Like I'm just like, okay, we've had two games. You it know, does I'm, take longer for big guys though to develop. I mean, look at guys like Chara, even Brent right. Burns, Dustin Bufflin, those big hulking defensemen. It takes them a little bit longer to develop. Did they get injured every time own. they? Did they get injured every time they went to the NHL though? I can't tell you that. I cover the Flyers. All right, I'm just saying. <laughs> they might have. Just, maybe I don't know. So, I mean, Nat, how excited are you about this whole Moran thing? Do you put any stock into it, turning things around? Not really. I I don't put too much stock in it because, again, we know what this team is defensively. And you have to be able to fix all of the problems. And, unfortunately, the defense is not the only problem. Right. The the top nine is also a problem. I mean, Kevin Hayes, Claude Giroux. Jake Voracek, as much as they're trying, as much as they seem to be putting in the effort, I mean, at at times they just look sluggish. And I love all of those guys. I mean, I said on one of the last episodes, I'm a Voracek defender. Close Rue has always gotten too much crap in this town. And Kevin Hayes, I mean, just Mm -hmm. night and day what it's been. Where he had this this breakout season for the Flyers last season, and now it's like, what's been going on? Like, there have been times, like... He scores a goal, and he just looks gassed. Like he doesn't have that same excitement that he did last year. And going back to Carter Hart and Brian Elliott, the goaltending as of late has just been getting worse and worse overall because the defense hasn't been playing with confidence, and therefore the goaltending hasn't been playing with confidence. And it's just this endless cycle right. of crap that they have to continue fixing because it keeps getting worse. So I'm hoping they're able to build off of this, but I, I'm not taking too much stock into it because of just how far, just how deep of a hole they've dug themselves in right now. It's well, going mean, oh. to be tough for them to climb back up. Well, they've got two games against mm. Buffalo. So they have a choice. They can either, right, two games against Buffalo? Why yeah. Y'all looking yep. at me funny. Oh, okay. Monday two games Wednesday. against Buffalo. Monday and Wednesday, right? And... This is, to me, this is what makes this season. I mean, I'm not saying this team's a playoff team if they beat Buffalo twice. But you beat the Rangers. Can you build off that against just a god-awful team that is at 15, 16 in a row? Something crazy like that? It's it's bad. Yeah. (laughs) It's so bad. Then you use those two games, and then you go into the Islanders. And it's like, okay, now it's time to say we have turned it around. On the flip side... 
you lose a game to Buffalo and you break that losing streak for Buffalo, you might as well cash it in. Like, like don't even show up the rest of the year because that's it. That's your season right there. Mm-hmm. You know, and one of the things that Nat you brought up that I do want to kind of talk about a little bit because it's something that's been bugging me is I feel like the Flyers, Derek, and maybe you'll have something to say about this. I feel like the Flyers have really invested themselves in this idea where it's like, well, we're just really tired because of the amount that we have to play all the time. Like we're so gassed because of the schedule and and this year is unlike any other year and i feel like they've really even chuck fletcher has really bought into that being a legitimate excuse and to me it drives me nuts because every other team is doing this right are you directing this at nat first do you want me to go first you me okay so you're right your your point that you just said is completely correct every single team in this league is going through the same damn schedule as the Flyers. They're playing the same amount of games in the same time span. That's not an excuse. And if you're trying to use that as an excuse, as a crutch, if you will, right. it's falling on deaf ears. I have no sympathy for that. Like, right. you can't sit there, oh, well, the schedule's tough. Like, no shit, it's tough. Like, this right. is what you signed up for. It's a condensed schedule, and you're playing seven other teams, you know, what, almost a dozen times it feels like. It's going to get tough. But you know what? That is where you find out where the good teams are. And right now, right. Flyers aren't a damn good team because they're not, like you said, they just they come out lethargic, and they come out, it looks like they just got off a, the red eye, you know, from Seattle. And it's like, dude, come on, man. You know, game started an hour ago. Right. Well, I mean, between that and the expansion draft, right? That's like the excuse you hear for oh, everything with the Flyers me. is either the schedule or the expansion draft. And at this point, the Philadelphia Flyers have turned into to that person you work with or that family member that every time you see them complains. And all they do is like, oh, you have no idea how stressful life is. And, you know, I had to take the dog out for a walk at 6 a.m. before I got ready for work. Like... The one who just complains about everyday things that everybody else is going through, but they expect it to be so much worse. Like, like take Nat, pity do, on me. I'm the only one that matters. Right. Nat, are you getting that vibe from this Philadelphia Flyer team? A little bit. And they're not the only team that did that. I read a tweet where I forget which player it was, but someone on the Vancouver Canucks said, just with the way the schedule is, it's not fair for us, man. And the second I read that, I went, shut the hell up. <laughs> no one cares it's not fair. Like, does it it's suck? It's not fair. Like, 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 life isn't fair. Like, right. That is just like, given the circumstances of the season, like, it wasn't going to be fair to begin with. Stuff was going to get messed up because of COVID protocols and stuff like that. So, it was just the given. And everyone accepted the reality of the situation. If you right. didn't want to, you didn't have to. You could have opted out of the season. You right. decided to play the season. You decided to go through this year. If you didn't want to go through this, if you didn't want to go through the competition, and if you didn't want to experience things being unfair, don't play in the National Hockey League. Because hockey right. isn't fair. That's just no. It wasn't fair that the Blackhawks got Patrick Kane and we had to settle for JVR. Like, we should have won that lottery. You know, life's not fair. Deal with the consequences. <laughs> right. Yeah. And the fly. And the, we brought to him the back. Fly- <laughs> yeah. To the Flyers this season, like, look, I get it. If anything, I don't want a cup this year 
because it, if anything, I want them to win a cup when the Wells Fargo Center is packed and every 20,000 fans get to watch them play every single night. Why would I want them to win a cup when there's only like 3,000 fans getting to watch? That is like the Wayne Stanley Cup. cup. Yeah, a cup, no, the Stanley I'm, Cup is a Stanley sorry, Cup. Sorry, Nat. I wholeheartedly disagree with you there, buddy. <laughs> but if they, all right, so if they won a cup and no one's there to see it, do they even win? I'll be yes, at the because same I'll place. be on Broad Street celebrating it, and I'll be at the same place I'd always be on my couch. So, yep, be the same thing for me. Yeah, we'll all meet up at the victory parade, and we'll you know act like we were there. <laughs> Who cares? But to, to- cups a cup. To kind of take that and, and run with it a little bit, I want to shift this conversation because I feel like we've spent so much time talking about the roster and right what the players have done wrong. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about Chuck Fletcher because I really think that there's an interesting conversation to be had here. And the first oh, part is. that I want to talk about, and we're going to get into the things I think you want to talk about, Derek, but the first thing I want to talk about is his lack of movements in the off season to me gave me this impression. And I mean, the responses that he had every time he was asked questions gave me this impression that he was kind of mailing, mailing it in this year that he really was just looking at this as a, a meaningless year. He was just going to put out whatever he could put out. He wasn't going to take any risks and, and he just almost didn't care about what the flyers did this season. Derek, do you get that vibe from him that he's just almost ready to just coast through this bizarre year? I, in a way, I think that, you know, he is – it just seems like he's going to ride this excuse, the COVID excuse. Right. The flat cap and the stagnant cap, you know. And, you know, I've been looking at the seasons that he was GM in Minnesota, and I've been noticing – he didn't do much there. There was maybe two <laughs> off seasons when he was GM there that he went crazy in free agency. Like the the year that he brought in Parise and Suter, that was back in 2012. And then 2014, I'm sorry, not 2014, 2016, like his last off season, I guess, second to last, he brought in Eric Stahl, Alex Stalock, and Chris Stewart, which like isn't a crazy off season by any means, but you know, Eric Stahl was a big name back then. So you know, this just this trend concerns me because he inherited a team that was ready, whether Hextall says they were ready or not, was ready to take that next step. And it, they seemingly did last season. They made it to the right. second round. They brought in Niskanen and Braun and Hayes. And now it's a regression. And it's right. like we all can point the finger at Niskanen and say that's why. Like he's not here. They didn't fill his hole. And that's fine. But like at some point, the younger kids needed to step up. Sanheim hasn't done it. Myers hasn't done it. Faraby sure as hell has, which right. is a very welcome surprise. Maybe not surprise, but very welcome, I should say. But, like, Albe Cubell's regressed. He's looked terrible. He's taking stupid penalties and making bad plays. And, I, I mean, I could harp on Sanheim and Myers for hours, so I'm right. just going to leave it at that. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because... I look at Chuck Fletcher as a guy who is terrified of his bosses because it was almost like they wanted him to make moves that first year. He made moves, right? I mean, signed AV, brought in Hayes, brought in Niskanen, brought in Braun, right? He, he made moves to make this team better. And then it's almost like he got afraid of screwing that up. And this next offseason, he just kind of backs away. 
it's like he's terrified to piss people off up top. I don't know if that makes much sense because you're going to piss people off if you stink. But it was like he was afraid to do much more than he had already done because it was like, well, this is what was good. If I go and screw that up, then it's bad news bears. You think Dave Scott's going to be mad with a successful team? Like, attempt it. You know, Dave Scott runs a multi-billion dollar company. That guy wants butts in the seats, which isn't really happening right now. And he wants a successful product on the ice. And you've got to mix things up to do that. Well, what I'm saying, though, is more of like, if it's for lack of a better term, like self-esteem, right? Like almost think like almost second guessing everything after you've been able to make such a big change your first year. You know, I don't know. But find out what didn't work that year. Like last year, we found out that the Islanders and Montreal, to an extent, exposed our flaws. Find out what those flaws are. You're the GM. You observe the, every single game at in your box. Find out what those flaws are and figure out how to address them. That's your job. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I'm not giving this guy an excuse. If no, anything, and I know I, you're not. <laughs> yeah. If, if anything, I think that that's a bad reason for any of this. But what I'm noticing, and Nat, maybe you noticed something similar, is what really pissed me off with Ron Hextall, right, was like we would see this ship sinking. And there was never a response as if the ship was sinking. It was almost like, you're not as smart as me. You don't know what's going on with this team. Everything's fine. We're going to do nothing. I'm going to say nothing. You're going to get nothing. Now the ship is sinking with Chuck Fletcher. And Nat, are you seeing something similar? Yeah. uh, You see this with a lot of Philadelphia GMs. And not just with the Flyers and the other sports too. So it's almost like... Can we call it Philadelphia GM syndrome? Like, I'm the smartest man in the room. There's nothing you can do about it. I know how to fix this, and they're not fixing it. It's like, um, hello, Chucky, anyone home with that noggin of yours? Right. Like, like, what's going on? Like, yes, we get it. COVID year, okay? Every other team's going through that right now. It sucks, but you have to deal with it. And even if this wasn't a COVID year, building from within, I don't think it was going to work with this team. Because, I, I mean, Phil Myers, I thought, it just goes to show that he, I don't even know how to put it into words, but he's NHL ready, but not in the role they're using him for, essentially. And same thing with Travis Sandheim. I think he's being misused. I mean, Gosses Bear, I mean, that's a conundrum in and of itself. And right. Chuck Fletcher, I, I don't know, I, I'm not in his office, so I don't know how many times a day he's on the phone just trying to make a move with another team, with another franchise to try to break he someone he's in never here. never worked the phones harder than he has this season. <laughs> I, I, I half believe him on that, but at this, I half believe him. Because, right. like, yeah, you have to make the other guys, like, actually, like, bite and make a trade with you. But what are you offering to begin with? Like, are you trying to, like, make deals? Like, oh, bring in, uh, let's say, Austin Matthews, <clears throat> and I'll give you Shane Gossip Bear. Right. No, like... I'm, Here's a again, Pat's being hyper- like, no, I want Geno's. <laughs> again, I'm being hyperbolic there with that comparison, but right, of course, yeah, like, like what type of we don't know what type of deals he's making, and maybe like the reason why he hasn't been able to make a trade is because maybe he's just offering really, really crappy deals. Almost he's making like Flyers car- Twitter deals, all the deals that just throw in Goss Despair in a second round pick. Right, hey, get a third. <laughs> <laughs> he listens to our show one twenty times a week. You know, well, the Pod Street Bullies said that you know if we give him this guy, that'll work out. I'm like, sure, you know, let just put us on mean, retainer. We'll help you. What, out. You mean I can't get Phil Kessel as my head coach? 
I was able to do I, that in NHL 21. I think part of the problem is is just like so many Flyers fans, Chuck Fletcher has been hextalled. Like, what do you mean? I think that Ron Hextall was able to bring in such an intriguing group of young players that we all just hopped aboard, right? We were all just ready to sip the punch and be like, yep, these are going to be the, t- the players that bring us to the promised land. However, as we all know, you never know how players are going to turn out. You never know what's going to happen in their development. You never know where their ceiling is going to finally just ceiling. And I feel like Ron, he- Ron Hextall Hextall Chuck Fletcher into thinking that these players were also going to be the saviors because if you look at what he didn't do over the offseason it was putting complete faith in unproven young players in players who had not yet shown that they were ready to take on the load that chuck fletcher was going to give them derek do you agree that that i mean I don't even know what what I want you to agree with. I want you to just take this and talk about it, Derek. I, I don't – I mean, Chuck Fletcher took Ron Hextall's job after Ron Hextall got fired. I highly doubt there was any type of dialogue between the two. <laughs> but I, I see what you're saying. I well, think, he clearly overvalues these guys. Well, maybe he overvalues them or maybe he just thinks that he's not getting fair value. And whatever fair value is for any of these guys, like, what was it? Uh, 31 thoughts? Really quick. Time out. No, no, no. Time I, out. I want to time out. Time out. I'm, th- I'm talking about overvaluing them in the sense that he, he relies too heavily on them. Well, like, we're kind of seeing right now, like, Tanner Lashinsky, Wade Allison Zaid Wisdom even. Like, they're whatever. having good seasons oh, good. With, the, the- with the Phantoms. With the Phantoms. Relax. I can't stand Hold people on. getting hey, all hot a, about that. Have another have another beet juice. Have another beet juice smoothie, pal. All right? Take a break. He's an angry elf. He is. Trust Jeez, me, man. Something, something's really got John fired up today. Good Lord. You think he'd have got it all out this afternoon. Um, but, but no, I mean, to your point, yes. Like, okay, as fans especially, we always overvalue the prospects that we've seen be drafted by this team like yes i want yegor zamul to turn out to be the number one defenseman for the flyers i want cam york to be the perfect complementary partner to him is that going to happen probably not but like you're seeing some progression and yes it's very early on lashinsky allison wisdom like they're playing very well in a limited sample size but that doesn't mean that we need to look at them and say oh my god if they're going to be a part of a deal we need just prime value out of these guys. Like, no, these guys could end up just being throw-ins to sweeten the pot. You know, that's the the fact of the matter is that some of these guys will end up like that if Fletcher ever decides to pull the trigger. And that's hockey. That's business. That's that's how the world turns. I don't know how else to put it. I just hope that he doesn't go, okay, well, we can fill in this role with someone else on the farm. You know, like, I don't, that mentality didn't work this season. That either Phil Myers or Travis Sanheim will step up into a bigger role defensively. Didn't work. Either Nolan Patrick and Oscar Lindblom will take the next steps in their progression. For the most part, didn't work. Like, he can't go into the next offseason thinking that Tanner Lashinsky and Wade Allison and Cam York are going to be the answers to next season. 
because most likely they won't be. It comes in numbers too, though, I feel like. You can't have too many variables. You know, you can't have three or four guys that you're hoping take the next step. Like, that should be limited to one or two. Right. You know, and I'm talking roster-wide. I'm not talking just one or two forwards, one or two defensemen. Like, right. you need to have one or two guys on your roster that are question marks. Because if they pan out, you look like a genius. If they don't, you look like a, you know, oh, well, we tried. You know, and there's a contingency plan in place. Right. I mean, the way I would like to structure it, right, is defensively, you have your top two are, are your steady NHL guys. These are people who have proven themselves in the NHL. Then your top four, you get one guy who you know you can count on, put a younger high-end talent with him. Somebody who maybe isn't proven but, but can learn from him. And then you Do we put have your... any of those guys on the roster right now? Well, no. <laughs> No, I'm just talking about if he, if he were to do this right. You know what I mean? And then your bottom two, again, I, I prefer just defensive defensemen who aren't going to screw things up. And the same thing Morning with your Hague. forwards, right? Maybe one in the top top nine, and one on the fourth line, depending on what the rest of the makeup is. But you can't be overflowing it because it turns into this mess. I mean, I don't know. I've got no answers. But at the same time, I also don't know how much I can blame Chuck Fletcher on what's happening right now. I mean, there are so many people, Nat, I'm going to go to you first, but there are so many people who are calling for his head. And I'm wondering, I actually go through this question in my head a lot, is it justified? I mean, is he a, should he deserve as much blame as he's getting at this point? Well, how much... In terms of the, like the worst, of the worst in terms of the reality of how much he's actually getting blamed, how much is he actually getting blamed? Like the worst as you can possibly be. I mean, I'm only basing it off of what people are putting on social media, right? But I feel like people are infuriated with him as if they're willing to blame him for the Flyers' problems right now. Yeah, and at least in my time on Flyers, where I've never seen Flyers Twitter this or. You know, Flyers fandom in general, this pissed off about the direction of the organization. It's a frenzy, and, baby. Yeah, it is wild the things we've been seeing on social media. So, I, I, I'm with you in that. I don't think, or at least I think this is the, uh, the vibe you're giving off, where I, I, I don't think Chuck Fletcher should be getting as much blame as he deserves. Because Hextall did kind of put him in this situation, you know, and... But Fletcher kind of relied on this. One of the first things he said was that, oh, we have really good prospects. Hextall kind of put me in a great situation here with a lot of these guys that I can use, and he's trying to use them, and they're just not panning out well. And also keep right. in mind, they don't, they're don't. they missing presences like Matt Niskanen, Tyler Pitlick, Derek Grant, and Nate Thompson. None of them were really replaced. Chuck Fletcher kind of relied on in-house building. But even if... The guys who were who were trying to step up to fill those roles just uh, weren't meeting those expectations or were just, like, overall disappointing. It, it shouldn't have gotten this bad. You have to put some fault in the players, too. I mean, going back to Carter Hart and the goaltending, I mean, Carter Hart was expected to have a down season sooner or later, and a lot of great goalies tend to have crappy seasons at one point early in their careers. So I'm not worried about Carter Hart. Brian Elliott, they just rode him too much. I mean, we've seen that happen. This isn't the first time the Flyers have ridden him too much. I mean, 
the first season he was here. Haxtell wrote him, what, 17 games in a row? Then he right. gets injured. It's like, well, no, no wonder he got injured because you're right. playing someone who's 30-some years old 17 straight games. Yes. Like, <laughs> you don't even play, like, 25-year-old 17 straight games unless you're in the – unless you're making a deep Stanley Cup playoffs run. Right. And, no. yeah, the top nine, too. Disappointing. I mean, right. Chuck so, Fletcher should not be in the situation he's in right now. Is he partly to blame? Yeah. Of I would actually say he's, like, a lot to blame. But as much as Flyers fandom on social media is giving him, no. Well, so here's the thing. Two points, and then I'm going to you, Derek. The first point is if Chuck Fletcher, say, brought back Derek Grant and Nate Thompson or people who replaced them in the role, people would be bitching that he didn't allow the younger players to take those roles. You know that right now. People on Twitter would be like, oh, my God, well, we have this guy in in the farm that could replace him. But for me, Derek, I want to blame the roster at this point. I think that all the onus at this point in time should be on the people playing the game. And I'm curious where you fall there. Well, to your point with the Thompson and Grant argument here, um, what young players have been called up to the roster recently that Thompson or Grant would have blocked? None. Like, right. who's the who's the youngest guy on the roster? Farabee? Like, no one's taking that kid's spot. He's solidified his spot on this roster because he's been playing f- fantastic this season. Is he going to take Raffle's spot? Oh, damn. Like, is he going to take Albe Kibel's spot? Good. I hope. Right. You know, Thompson and Grant would have been an upgrade. And Thompson adds some center depth. And so does Grant, for that matter. Like, think about it. Patrick's been terrible. Like, we can agree on that. He's, he has not been good. So, insert Derek Grant. Derek Grant is perfectly capable of playing 3C. Nate Thompson can center the fourth line. That way, you're not putting Raffle, a natural winger, at center on any line in the lineup. And you can revert him back to wing where he plays better, in my opinion. So, right. it would have been smart. Yes, maybe they wouldn't have been able to afford it. Like, okay, fine. Those are numbers. I'm not a salary cap genius. I, I you know, I'm not going to get into that. But, right. like, the, the young kids, man, the argument for these kids, like, we're going to block this guy, block that guy. Like, okay, but these kids need to show me that they deserve to be there. They need to blow the doors off the place and make it known that they're not going to play a game that's going to tell you that they need to be sent down. Right. Impress me. Impress me night in and night out, and then you get a roster spot. Like, yes, right now it's tough because the Flyers suck. Would I like to see Zade Wisdom get his crack at the NHL? Sure. Lashinsky, Allison, absolutely. But you know what? As, as desperately hopeful as this sounds, Flyers are only three points out of a playoff spot. So technically, I put that in air quotes, they are in a playoff chase. But... If they keep playing the way they've been playing, they can kiss that goodbye, and they could. See, we we could see some of these young kids up and see what they can do at the NHL level. All right, Nat, you had a question, buddy. Oh, I'm chomping at the bit to ask this. So, Alain okay. Vigneault likes to send messages to his players. Is it time Chuck Fletcher sends a message to Vigneault? And do we have to say? Goodbye to some of the other members of our coaching staff. Well, Maybe. so he yes. Okay. Uh-oh, Derek. You're not talking about who I'm thinking. Uh, you don't want to fire Vigneault, right? No, 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 no. I don't want to fire Vigneault. Okay, because that's but. what I was going to say. So, Nat, uh, can I start with this one? Because 
I don't get to answer questions anymore. Derek, can I start this one? Yes. Uh, I guess. Thanks. <laughs> Nat, I, I, I kind of feel like he should do something, right? Send a message to the coaching staff. But I feel like firing Vigneault would just be a stupid move. You know, Well, firing Vigneault would be the stupid move. But right. what about firing Mike Yo and Michelle Terrian? I don't, you know, it's like if you're doing that, you're doing it to make a statement. And Derek, I know you're going to have more to say here, so I'm not going to say too much. I think you're just simply doing it to make a statement. I just have a hard time putting much blame on any of these guys right now. But if you're going to just be like, I have to do something to show, you know, that I'm unhappy and you have to fire one of them, whatever. But Derek, what about you, buddy? What do you think? Look, I think it's going to have to be one or the other. I'm not all for firing Yo and Tarion, but one of them needs to go. Like, I'm sorry. You're looking at a penalty kill that is 29th in the league right now. You're looking at a power play that I, I'm trying to... They're 15th. Okay, they're getting better. They're above 20%. Fantastic. That's where they should be. But good God, the power play has been awful for, right. for for the entire season pretty much. Penalty kill even worse. I think just by de facto, it'll be Mike Yo because he's in charge of the penalty kill. And the penalty kill is bad. It is bad. Right. Like... I want it to be Tarion because I feel like I get more frustrated about the power play. But we've seen the power play kind of take, you know, a, a baby step, if you will. Um, penalty kill, though, man. Like, w- w- come on. Stop. Like, j- I just, one, stop taking penalties. Two, stop the other team from scoring on the power on the, on the, on their power play. But neither <laughs> Mike Yo or Michelle Tarion are on the power play or penalty kill. And that's where I have such a hard time with this. I mean, neither was Dave Haxtell. Yeah. You're true. right. You're right. Dave Haxtell was just somebody I love to hate. Everybody because, loved to hate him. Because he was just very Manila. I don't know. I just, I really struggle with Manella? it being. Yeah, Manila. Like you a Manila envelope? No, Manila. Like an envelope? The, vanilla would be the correct terminology you're looking for there, pal. <laughs> no, Manila. This is not another instance of what, what was it a few weeks ago you were like, oh, so this. And I'm like, you're an idiot. And no, I said vanilla. Manila is. Yeah, and you're Manila. It's vanilla. Vanilla's plain. It's boring. Yeah, but I'm saying Manila. Van- Manila is the color of an envelope. Yeah, it's boring. <laughs> Envelopes are boring. Okay, exactly. I see your point, but you're still see? wrong. No, I'm not admit wrong. It. We're just, just using. Admit it. No, because I'm not wrong. We're just using two different things. I can't wait till our buddy Mark calls you out on this on Twitter again. And just says you sound like a dickweed. I don't care what anybody says I sound like. I was going for Manila. I'm sticking by Manila, and I mean the envelope. I didn't make up a word. It's it's the envelope, and that's what I'm going with, Manila. You know what? I'm going to send you in a Manila folder. I'm going to send you a steaming pile of dog crap. Well, anyway, <laughs> Nat, to kind of put a bow on your question, though, I do think that he... One of the things he could do is fire either Yo or Tarion, but I truly don't think that fixes anything. I, I really feel like all of this is on the players at this point, and they're the ones not performing. And I'd rather see a larger name be dealt, if realistic, just to be like, all right, I'm tired of this. I think that's what, what really needs to happen. 
but I know we're running out of time here and there are a few things that I wanted to touch on. So we're gonna do a little bit of Flyers rapid fire. I'm gonna give you a quick topic. Both of you are gonna get an opportunity to talk about it, but there is no long-winded BS here, boys. You gotta just give me what you wanna say and then we're moving on to it. All right, let's do it. All right, first topic, Derek, you're gonna start this one. Carter Hart has been having a rough time. There's been conversations about possibly bringing him down to the AHL. What say you about doing that for a little bit? If you're admitting defeat and you're admitting that this season is over, that's the move you make. Get him some confidence back. Let a guy like Lyon or Sandstrom, like Sandstrom could get some invaluable experience at the NHL. Why not? You know, if you're going to throw in the towel, let Sandstrom do it. If not, Lyon's capable. But unless you're chasing down the playoffs, you keep hard in. If you're not, send him back down, let him play some games, get some confidence back. All right, Nathaniel. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with Derek on that. Uh, maybe not as gung ho, but yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing Sandstrom in here for a couple games. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing: you then send Carter Hart to Lehigh Valley, right? You've got Brian Elliott and Felix Sandstrom. Are you in the market for another short-term goalie option? Nah. Why? Why? Gut tells me no. Why? Because Brian Elliott is going to just fall apart if you allow this guy to take on too many starts. And, so uh, you split him. You know what? Season's gone. I don't like I your mean, attitude. If you're throwing in the white flag, why ruin Elliott? You know, so just is, let him split the games. Because, so then you're saying to Felix Sandstrom, we're going to bring you out to the firing squad and you're just going to get lit up every night too. Like, this is still a young goalie who hasn't developed either you don't put trial it by way. fire baby because yeah, that always works great <laughs> you don't put it that way you tell them listen this is a season in which we're not going to make the playoffs we're not you know this is an evaluation period we want to so see i'm going to watch you get torched and evaluate you on it very good it's all in the english you got to tell him the way he wants to hear it sure i don't agree with you but fine that's how i anyway, get things through to you next next topic cam york Everybody's expecting Cam York to sign his entry-level contract. There's been conversation about whether he should join the Flyers and they should kind of Felix Sandstrom him in Derek's uh, terms here. Or, hey, buddy, you're playing the rest of the year with the Phantoms. Nat, why don't you start this one? What would you do with him? Cam York, I believe, has played his last season as a collegiate athlete, but I'm hesitant to bring him up too fast so i say full year ahl okay derek don't bring the kid anywhere near this flyers team right now if you're going to sign him to an elc let him play with lehigh valley okay now kind of the part b to that question and derek this is going to be you first would you have the same argument for the likes of lashinsky allison and i guess to a lighter a smaller extent zade wisdom Oh, they're forwards. It's a different thing. Like, the defense is terrible, so you're essentially assigning them to take on fire from a firing squad. Forwards, it's like it is more of that evaluation period. You want to see what they can do to try to get a spark going, you know, get something going. Um, Wisdom, it's early. He's young. He's really young. You're looking at Wade Allison and Tanner Lashinsky, who are coming off of college careers, who are three, maybe four years older, a little bit more mature physically. They can handle the NHL, the rigors of it, to my knowledge, and I think it's just, it is a little what different. What proof? What proof? Yeah. The rigors I mean, of the it, NHL? They, what proof do you have that they can handle the rigors of the NHL? 
None, but I'm just guessing. (laughs) My point is, you're talking about a kid in Zade Wisdom who's played in juniors and has never... Okay. He's playing in the AHL right now, sure. Limited sample size. These guys are coming from college. It goes back to that argument we had about college in the CHL months ago. Right, the against men thing. Yeah, but like... Otherwise, Zade Wisdom would be playing in juniors right now if it weren't for the fact that this is a ridiculous scenario. All right. Nat, what do you think? I I think we all feel the same about Wisdom, but what about Lashinsky and Allison? Lashinsky, we've seen him play at the NHL level. And, again, again, I just – Have we? I think at times – Like to an NHL level? Because he's never played in the NHL. Yeah, he hasn't had Lashinsky? Yeah. Lashinsky. You're, you're thinking Twarinsky. Twarinsky. Oh, my God. Uh, I, can, I get him confused, too. There we <laughs> You get a mulligan. Try again. Forget. No, forget I say. I'm just going to hide in the corner now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So you're done with that, then? I'm done. All right, boys. Too well, many Yinskis in this organization. So, anyway... Coming up this week, we've got two games against Buffalo. We've got one game against the Islanders. I mean, I feel like we keep saying this, but this is the week. They lose to Buffalo. It's mail-it-in time. I feel like we probably all agree with that, yeah? Matt Casey said it perfectly last week. Got to beat Buffalo twice. At the very least, got to beat Buffalo twice. All right. And I don't think we have a pop-off or anything this week, right? I don't think anybody's scheduled to pop-off. We do. It is technically Nat's term because we skipped over him, but it depends. I mean, right now we're looking at, we're about 54, a little less than 54 minutes in. All right, now you just want to skip it this time? Yeah. All right, so then we'll wrap it up. Oh, man, we're not going to touch on the one thing I got excited about. Oh, I'm sorry, buddy. No, because you've been pissing me off today. Listen, dude. I don't like if your I had a dollar today. for every time you pissed me off when I was hosting, Jesus <laughs> Christ, I'd be able to pay our staff. cares stat. about that, though. Uh, no, of course not. I'm the fragile one. Uh, I know. Derek, yes. All right. I forgot, Derek. <laughs> now we're getting off the rails. But you did bring up a really interesting thing. So We will make because, it short. I'm not going to yes, be long-winded about this. And I don't even want me to set it up because I'm not really sure who said it. So go ahead. You do it. So I, I'm a dork. I listen to a lot of Flyers podcasts, and Anthony Sanfilippo from Snow the Goalie brought up an interesting point on their most recent episode about the po- – I don't want to speculate here, and I want to make sure I get this right. So I'm going to say the possibility of Flyers, higher-ups, execs, uh, people in charge of tickets, comping those tickets to these games that the Flyers are playing this season uh, now that fans are left back in the building – I just want to run through something real quick. 15% capacity. 15% capacity of the Wells Fargo Center, I believe, equals out to about 3,000 people. And this is where I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to you know, go on about it. I'm just going to make this statement right now. If you can't fill 3,000 seats to watch a hockey game, Nat, get the trigger finger ready. That is despicable I mean I agree with you like who doesn't want to watch a hockey game after being inside for a year and you're comping tickets because people don't want to come and watch that is disgusting to me if there was ever writing on the wall that the fans are not happy with the direction of this organization 
that is it. Because I feel like the Flyers fans have been loyal through the most nasty times and would continue to go to the games. And now they're not doing it. There you go. You got to go do something. Yep. Like, what was that comedian, that redneck comedian, Bill Engvall? Like, here's your sign. Like, that's your sign. You know, nobody wants to come to the games because you're playing like garbage. And you're was that like Larry the Cable guy and them? Those guys, yeah. Yeah, what um, were they called? I don't know. what. I don't know if they had an official title, but I just want to clarify, too. This what was a blue-collar comedy tour, I think. Yes. Nat's got it. This, this is just... Uh, Anthony Sanfilippo brought this up on the Snow the Goalie podcast, and I believe him as a credible source, but I also don't want to put words in his mouth. So if I'm wrong here, I hope someone calls me out on it. But from what I gathered from that, that's what it sounded like, that there were potentially tickets being comped. So that does not sit well with me. That's That's a terrible look. Right. No, it's awful. Well... I mean, I think that that's where we leave it, right? This this team right now is a poop sandwich, and nobody wants to pay to go watch them. Does Nat have an opinion on that one? I didn't care to ask, but sure, Nat. <laughs> <laughs> Are we the Sabres with a mustache? I know. <laughs> Seriously. Like, that's Buffalo level. That's so right? Buffalo. That's, that's God. Well, I heard something. Wasn't there something on social media a little while back where it was like, all of the season ticket holders didn't want the tickets that like they were the ticket sales were supposed to go to season tickets first and then all of those tickets went to general public because none of the season pass. ticket holders wanted them eh, now we're good season ticket holders were just like you know pass right <laughs> all right well oh. now we'll end it right i think that's it everybody talked about what they wanted to talk about yep this this one was a little strange. Right? We we got a little off the rails. I'm gonna blame it on the juice, <laughs> the beet juice, <laughs> the beet juice. Anyway, that There's is your episode title. Blame it on that, the beet juice. <laughs> that is the Pod Street Bullies for this week. You can find our podcast. I'm doing it new. I'm doing it new. Just just go with the goddamn flow, man. Holy moly! Proceed. <laughs> I, I, okay. <laughs> I don't even know what to do anymore. Well, should we just do it like we normally do it before you try to just completely throw a wrench in things? I was going to put in the fact that, like, hey, rate us on iTunes and all that stuff, but now you've completely <sighs> messed up my flow. So, Derek, guess what? Do it. Do it. Okay, I'll do it. Uh, listen, you can find... Me on Twitter, Pod Street Bob. You can. This find is going to be the last Pod Street Bullies episode ever. Just so everybody knows, they're like, "This is it. This is what breaks up the band." This is this is going to be more devastating than when uh, Limp Biscuit disbanded. I'm just kidding. They didn't disband. Um, no, but <laughs> I'm on Twitter, Pod Street Bob. John's on Twitter, Pod Street Gove. You can find the Pod Street Bullies on Twitter at Pod SD Bullies, where you'll find better articles than what was written about Sam Morin this week. Um, you can find us at PodSDBullies.com. There's my subtle dig of the week. Uh, and uh, yes, I'll, you know what, John? You tell the folks to uh, subscribe and rate us. And, nope. You know, no? Okay, I'll do it. Listen, head on over to our Apple Podcasts page. The thing that John seemingly forgets isn't iTunes anymore. 
Uh, leave us a review, five stars, preferably. Let us know how we're doing. Tell us how much you love us, because obviously you do. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. But anyways, John's turn. Nope. Receptacles. Come on, pal. This is your job. This is what nope. we pay you to do. Nope. You stole it. Go. Keep going. I'm not doing your receptacles listing thing. You've got well, a pod launcher to touch I, on. I wasn't going to do the receptacles at all. You want me to do? You want me to do pod muncher? I'll do pod muncher. Yo, Are if you, you want to find the show and you're not listening to this show, Google it. That's where. I mean, <laughs> listen. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, not Spreaker, Stitcher, Overcast, uh-huh. Castbox, all those stuff, and John's favorite, as always, pod muncher, and a bonus if you want to listen to this episode. With a track of me verbally berating John Gove throughout the entire episode without him even knowing it. All you have to do is go to podmuncher.uk and then when they ask you for the podmuncher.uk, it's .uk now. It's vanilla. Enter the promo code John Sucks. That's John with an H. And you'll get... off your first month's subscription, and you'll get that exclusive content, again, which is me verbally berating John Gove as he talks throughout this episode without knowledge of it. It's a beautiful thing, folks, let me tell you. I've listened to it already. It's incredible. Nat, do you even want to tell people where you can find you at this point? Yeah, sure. You can find me on Twitter at Nat underscore Morlo, tweeting from a section of Philadelphia that Mark Freeman probably didn't even like in the first place. Um, or did live in. Tara choking on his vape right there. It's a douche flute, Nat. Get it right. <laughs> uh, you're you're going to so, have to edit the crap out of this. <laughs> worth it. Totally worth it. <laughs> Yeah, it might take me another week. We'll already be recording the next episode before I'm done editing this one. Uh, but yeah, obviously I'm the producer of Pod Street Bullies. Hello, well, my welcome back revenge tour right here. Oh, um, revenge tours, god damn it. Also producer of the Sixers podcast, Full Core Press, and a producer of the radio station, 97.5 The Fanatic, where you can catch the Flyers play on the radio. So yeah, there's that. And you can find me editing the highlights for them. Whoa, on the radio. All right, well, that's about it. So, that's the end of the show. Everybody, let's go Flyers. Bye now. What a day. (laughs) Wow. Bye now.